Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. He konai purangi tēnei nā te reo irirangi o Aotearoa. All right, welcome back into the caucus room. You're most welcome to join us. Now, my Heidi Mai, kia ora, and let's start with the roll call. I'm Tim Watkin. I'm Guy and Espina. Lisa Owen. I'm not Scott Campbell. Still, I'm Julian Wilcox. It's very good to be <laughs> here. Well, we're all clear and present. Um, so, uh, a busy campaign this week. The first leaders' debate was one of those key things. We're going to get to that shortly. Um, but let's just look at the state of the race first. We talked about. Um, a lot about the right block last week on the um, where the polls were at. Let's talk a little bit about new poll this week um, because One News, Verion are polling every week now. Very similar to the previous ones, but we can look a little bit at the left block um, in particular. But look, uh, what do you make of this poll uh, and what does it tell us about the state of the race now? I don't want to look at the left block. I want to look at the right block, and here's why. As Downward spiral. Start, Sorry, I'll be contrary. One way, and then suddenly <laughs> Lisa's yeah. off. You know, duck and weave. Because what I saw in that, the most interesting thing for me, was the drop-off in national support, yeah. right? Two points down. Yep. Labour is disgust, and I feel that someone in this caucus has used the words death spiral, not looking at anyone <laughs> in particular. But, so, didn't surprise me Labour's numbers. It lines up with other polls and right. down 1% from the last time. The thing with National is you're starting to get into the territory where they just have a one-seat majority with ACT, mm. right? Yep. one Skinny little seat. But they're 2% down, is at 2% up, right? So nothing yes. changed on the right block. No, no nothing, nothing changed on nothing the right Nothing changes, but that's why there, that's why, while there is a direct transfer of votes, and you don't know that that's going to hold up. So no. National's down to, ACT is up to, right, as you say, but at 61 seats, you, you, you've got a tight squeak there into government, mm-hmm. which brings us to... Um, Mr. Winston Peters, and already the narrative, I think, has changed from Christopher Luxon. Um, I've heard him saying uh, already, I will work with what the New Zealand public give me on election night. And for me, that is a subtle shift from... I ain't talking about that. It's hypothetical. I don't want to talk about Winston Peters. I don't want to talk about New Zealand first. Yeah, this poll blows out of the water his line that Peters isn't registering Mm. above the threshold. I mean, we've had a number of polls which show he is. Um, This poll is a very credible one. They've been running it under different names for a long time. And to see Peters a couple of weeks out at 5% in this poll really confirms that he most likely will be back in Parliament. This is close to a nightmare scenario for Christopher Luxon. He could well be, you know, incoming Prime Minister, but if ACT National, even at that level, it's not enough, is it? Mm. I mean, mathematically, 61, 62 might be enough, but you could, you, it's always a scandal in a Parliament. You can lose a by-election. You don't want to be, you don't want to be at 61, lose a by-election 18 months in and, and, and have to go to the country again. It's simply not enough of a buffer. So you would, you would assume that you would have to say, Winston... Give Winston a call as well. 
Yep, I've been talking you on this podcast. You've got to actually come and talk to me. I've been talking about on this podcast before that I think he should be um, making at least back-channel communications with the Party Māori and the Green Party about potential uh, more nuanced combinations of abstaining or whatever. Mm. But yes, um, he would have to go to Winston Peters. They don't want to have they, that call. Well, well they, 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 may, they may not. I, I do remind people that Key had a, a memorandum of understanding with the Green Party in um, one of his terms as Prime Minister. Um, these these things are. Uh, did, did did people expect that of the of the party Māori in no. in '08? I know it's a different party, and 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 I, I won't go into that too much. The most obvious call is to Winston Peters, but um, it, it is a, a potential nightmare. It's, scenario a, call, it's for a call he won't be looking forward to making. Um, I'm trying to listen to the principal who's trying to guide us to the left. But the only thing I wanted to add about the right leaning parties was I made a call to a couple of people I know in National. The words we've peaked came, and there's a bit of concern about that because they're worried about. More vote actually going to New Zealand first, not to act. They're worried about losing a bit of vote to New Zealand first, um, and then you have a look at some of those Coalition other coalition of chaos. And, and then you have a look at some of those other very minor parties. I mean, the Liz Gunn party at one percent. Where did that come from? New Zealand Loyal, I think the name is. She doesn't even have registered candidates. Not registered. And but then Vision New Zealand. She's got bill- yeah. billboards. Vision yeah. New Zealand at one percent. So you know, when, if you're one of those voters, Liz Gunn's party voters will probably go, "Oh hell, we have to go with Winston now." Vision New Zealand will probably stay, but that's another one percent assured, right? That's six. He does a really good campaign. Normally he gets another bump of one and a half, you said last week on. He's at seven and a half. That's nine seats. It includes Andy Foster in them. That's that's a big chunk of seats. That is a big chunk. Um, well, but to come to the left... And this thank, is you for the, thank you for that. Yeah, no, that, that I'll is do good, what I'm told. That is good sound of play stuff. <laughs> Let me take it back to the left because because the, the reason why I wanted to talk about that was um, when you look at Labour now on 27, 28% for a number of polls, mm. um, it's actually quite revealing when you actually punch those numbers into the Electoral Commission calculator and Lisa has walked me through this with her very accurate numbers that she likes to point out to me that they are very precise and wonderful no, numbers. only because I suppose the message in that was... There's no fiscal hole in this uh, no number. She's showing us her, num- her workings. I, I, think, I think the point... Release your modelling, Owen. Yeah, I, I'm happy to release my modelling. I think the point is here, Tim, I would take from our conversation is I, when I gave Tim these numbers, he went, what? Are you sure you're right? Because I'm wow. surprised. Yes, and that is the whole point. All right. He was surprised. Let's bring the listeners into this conversation about why yeah. I was surprised because the, the point is quite how thin Labour's list MPs become. Mm. The, the assumption being that, that Labour holds on to maybe around 30 electorate seats because they have some pretty you know, deep roots into electorate seats. From seat. 45 at the moment. From 45 so. at the moment. So we're, we're saying you talk about the 12 to 15 red wave seats that we kind of give those away. There's a few other seats that maybe go um, right because of a kind of a blue wave coming through this time. Um, so let's we, we've punched in around 30 uh, electorate seats for Labour. You then get, if New Zealand First is in as well, you're getting down to only four list MPs, four list MPs for Labour. And they are Grant Robertson, mm-hmm. Aisha Verrill, probably Jantanetti because she loses Tauranga, um, and who's the fourth? Uh, Willie, Willie, Willie Jackson. Jackson. Yeah. You lose Andrew Little. You lose David Parker. You lose potentially Labour's next uh, cabinet of younger up-and-coming people, Kellen McAnulty, Willow Jean Prime. Um, you know, this is... With the rider, if they lose their electorate. If they lose their electorate. Because, because these are all entitled electorate races. Yes, these they are. All... Indeed. So Labour, potentially, on these kind of numbers, gets that new generation gutted. 
That's right, and that will be a big concern to them. And you've already seen um, what happens when you get this risk of not enough lifeboats as the Titanic's going down. Mm. And you saw Greg O'Connor do this at a meeting, at an election meeting in Wellington, where he effectively (laughs) conceded his party was going to lose, that Nicola Willis was going to be the finance finance minister and that people should vote for him on the electorate and didn't really seem to matter what what they did with the party vote. He said, let's face it, unless something changes in the debate tonight, this is the night, obviously the the day of the um, first leaders debate, Nicola's likely to be the next finance minister. Yeah, that that is is a disaster for a party because their focus should always be on the party vote, Mm. getting out the party vote. And once you start to see it splinter off and people looking after their own skins, you run into real trouble. And that's what sees you slump to a sort of tied out sort of 25% Mm. number. And the thing we should point out about um, Greg O'Connor in Ohario is he is not on the party list. So Mm. he has one shot at survival and we can I'm just looking to the principal now we're probably talking about some of those seats a bit no, no, later no. so yeah, I won't go there no no okay. so, but I, was a, I talked to a, a Labour MP this week and who said um, no we look we you know we think 27 we can we can pick up from there that turnout's going to be key we think yeah. we can the turnout will get our percentage up but at least no one's no one in the electorate is putting the electric first yet we're still we're still on message and then literally the next day yeah. Greg O'Connor does this so yeah, the, other does thing I, the other thing I noticed and this came out of the Māori television poll on Tuesday in Tatai Hawaii Soraya Pekka Mason who I think many people thought wouldn't win against Debbie Ngāduwe Pekka is ahead by five now there's a margin error of, of error of 4.5 it's still a tight race the ironic thing about that is if she makes it via the electorate the one who loses out is Adrian Dudafe who's the current speaker who was of course the MP for that electorate who stood down from that electorate so that's that's an interesting thing and I think also the interesting thing for me is there are people that um, potentially haven't been considered like Kusha Tangaide for example and Iko Rodafati many thought uh, Mekar Faitiri would carry that and Labour would win it the the indicators are it's a really tight race in actual fact the favouritism could be with Kusha Tangaide so that may have an effect as well you're absolutely right on turnout. Lower turnout normally means Labour doesn't do well in an election. No. Um, in 2020, one of the lowest polling, uh, lowest turnouts of an electorate was Tamaki Makoto. Now, that was Penny Henry and JT. Um, the expected turnout this year in a Māori electorate, they think, is going to be lower. Now, if you're already at 65%, what are we talking oh, about? Really? Below 60 Right, we could end up in Māori electorates anyway, with a very low turn. Why the turnout? Lack of engagement? Um, well, a couple of things. One is is that there's a distru- the, the disinformation misinformation campaigns around politics has really affected turnout. We've seen that in local body elections, and we're seeing that in this one, particularly in Māori electorates. When you start hearing parties talk about Māori and the way that Māori get politicised as the football, particularly in this one, it turns voters off, and people don't get enough of the aspiration they want here to get out and vote. Give them something to get out. And vote for. It was interesting in the, ba- uh, the debates that we did for the, the Hui, the Māori electorate debates. The Labour uh, messaging has switched. It went from the big, bad, dark, evil right, uh, you know, right-leaning parties, and that's still there. It's now gone to we need you to get out and vote. Yeah, because they're very worried about yeah, low turnout. But it also seems to me, talking to some of my national party mates, that they're worried about low voter turnout as well because some of theirs might not come out. Whereas because this- they think our oh, Luxon's got it. Because I think Luxon's got it. And also people are disillusioned. Go back yeah. to 
caucus, um, you know, episode one. Yes. <laughs> people, people are disillusioned. Yeah. Well, you look at this, this is the point, right, again, with these cons- the polls consistently showing 37% for National around that, 27% for Labour. You are talking about some of the some of the lowest combined votes for the two major parties, right? Well, so absolutely. I mean, you'd have to go back. Um, in 1999, Helen Clark got 39% of the vote and took over as a new Prime Minister at the end of that millennium and, and never actually breached 40 um, no. over 40%, so she ran three minority governments. But I cannot think of a leading party in government who've got there on that number, on no. 37. And National really needs to drift into the late 30s, early 40s if they are going to be a you know, a credible major force. 96 in this, in this National government. got 34 with New Zealand First on um, 13. So they were in um, that very, very first uh, MMP election where there was that, you know, the money. How long did that last? Well. <laughs> <laughs> Not 18 months. Yeah, Not yeah, because yeah. because yeah. in August 98, exactly. the whole thing blew up hard. And yeah, that is the problem. Yeah. When, when you are not strong enough in, in your in your coalition, you know, if you think about it as a cocktail, if you've if, if, you're, if, if you're only, you know, two thirds of the drink. You don't want to be watered down. No. I think the, the other thing we talked about, the potential loss of leadership for Labour, right? Uh, 12% for the Green Party, that gets them down to maybe 14 or 15 MPs. And by the way, there's another ex-Wellington mayor at 15 on the Green Party list, Celia Way Brown. So not mm. only do you get a former mayor in Andy Force, so you get Celia Way Brown as well. But um, you have a look at the Green Party on that list if they get 12%. Huhana Linden, strong, Taitokero. Ifeso uh, Collins, strong, still for the Auckland mayoralty. Uh, Darlene Tana, Tamaki Makoto, Kohanan Carter in Central, Christchurch Central. The new left leadership could actually be in the Green Party, not in Labour, if they stay at 27%. Well, you love a history lesson, so shall we go back to 2014? Please, um, take so, you there. Take you there, you will remember this. Uh, David Cunliffe. Yes. Um, hard to forget. So uh, if you look at the figures that Labour returned in that election, that was, when you look at the official count on the Election Commission website, website, Labour, 25.1% of the votes. And when I saw David Cunliffe um, doing post-leaders debate analysis, I sort of thought to myself, wow, he'd be sitting there hoping that someone takes the crown from him, (laughs) maybe. The worst ever Labour leader. Did he apologise for that result? (laughs) Just for being a man. He apologised for a couple of things. (laughs) (laughs) Apologised for a couple of things. But I don't, so look, guys, look, you might disagree with me on this one, but that's, this is the thing that strikes me, is that I do remember 2014, and I remember the disarray that Labour was in at the time, right? Mm. They were all over the place. Um, And usually that's the kind of numbers you see when a party is imploding or when a party is making huge swinging cuts through the Mm. economy or something dramatic is going on. This doesn't feel to me like a sub-30 result for Labour now, right? The economy, Yeah. Why? Because the economy is not a basket case. It is below average, but it's picking up. Inflation's But you talked about a party imploding, right? You talked yeah. about a party imploding. Is You've only seen low figures when you've seen a party imploding. They so, lit their own bonfire and they threw so some kerosene a, on it and got, rid of, about, yeah. and got rid of a bunch of policies that say, we are Labour. Right. They, they smoked their own identity. Yeah, the, and, and remember the, um, that they did lose, was it four or five ministers? I mean, it's, it's, they did. Uh, yeah, and you're thinking back to that now. In a quick fire. It's also, that's where people are, are stuck, right? And yeah, and also the they, they have been um, a little unlucky in some ways on the economy in that we find out as we record this at about midday on Thursday that um, Stats New Zealand are saying we probably weren't in recession um, for that time. And um, look, the, the, this is technical 
jargon really two yeah. quarters of negative growth equals recession and they then revised mm. the figures yeah. but it has allowed National to accurately say New Zealand is the only uh, country in the region who's in recession and that's been damaging um, and, and actually rebounded a little quicker than um, at a little higher than, than, than what people thought so they have been unlucky in that and also it's about feels if people feel they can't take the block of cheese out of the cooler at the supermarket yeah. they don't give a flying you know what <laughs> about whether you're in technical no, recession don't. or yeah. not yeah. they care about whether they can have one piece of broccoli or none and whether they can have some cheese and if it's okay to get you know not the 99 cent bread and it's about those feels it is about those feels and, and crime and law and order yeah. I don't want to divert us too off track but you know when you're getting people murdered at bus stops and yeah. things yeah. Yeah. which is just uh, now now not, for, even, not even half a day's on you, the news you've stolen my mind from the debate Lisa thank you okay, very much because I was going to say um, they haven't caught people in the fields. And the other thing that, um, if you talk to young people, the phrase they use now is they're not popping off. Yeah. <laughs> and no one's popping off. And when you don't have that, then, then voter turnout goes well, down. and popping and off don't in get terms of, explain that yeah. to an old fellow. I'm just, no, I'm trying to get you know, youth aligned here. Because uh, <laughs> um, um, I'm certainly not rangatahi. But anyway, um, but one of the Adjacent. other... You, <laughs> it's a phrase I like to use, um, and I've been told don't because it's not true now. Um, but the other, the other thing I was going to say was that normally when Labour's like this, um, the one that would, the party that would grow a lot is the Māori Party. Hasn't happened. No. And it's not happening there. 3%, so that means they might get, they will get 100 Arvati, uh, Maipi Clarkin, 21 years old now, uh, which would be great for that party. Um, oh, I do worry that, about yeah. her going into Parliament, to be honest with yeah. you, at 21. But anyway, um, she's a niece of mine and I know her mother. But, um, but that's great for the party. But at 3% and only at the moment winning one electorate, which is why normally they would be able to transfer that into seven electorates. Why aren't they? Um, because <laughs> it looks like uh, that in the Māori electorates, despite what's happened, and despite not playing to what you talked about earlier, Lisa, about really using the mandate that they had to good to do big, bold, brass-balled policy that would appeal to their base, Māori are still sticking to the tried and true. They still trust people like Kelvin Davis and I, and Mahuta definitely, Penny Hendare in the Hui debate last night. So Very big mana wins. It looks that way. Yeah. 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 is still going to win to Taitonga, you know, and that's what it looks like, which is interesting. While we're talking about some of these electorate seats, um, let's. I just wanted to play this clip from um, about the Wellington Central race because this this is fascinating in terms of what we're talking about the swing and the swing that we see in both the electorates and in the parties being interlinked. Labor's vote has plummeted by more than 15 points. It is now level pegging with National, which has jumped 13 points, and just behind are the Greens on 26.5%. And that super tight race for the party vote is mirrored when it comes to the candidates. Labor, Labor's Ibrahim Omer is out in front on 30.6%, but National Scott Sheeran is right behind him on 28, and the Greens' Tamitha Paul, uh, she is on 26 so News Hub Nation polling Wellington Central there. And you can say, I mean, that's Grant, that's Grant Robertson's seat. I mean, and I know, again, you did not believe me when no, I told I, you. I, I did not. I did not. But um, the, the, the fact that that is split across, you can see, a national candidate, what, what did they say, 13% up? Mm. I mean, that tells you something about the, the mood we're talking well, about. Well, there was some interesting analysis uh, earlier on in the campaign that there was some evidence that, that younger voters were, were trending more to the right this this time, which was is is, is very unusual, right? I yeah. mean, you know, usually uh, seats like that where the Greens have done very well in the past. They have. Um, so and Act held it for. I mean, to be fair, Wellington yes. Central is volatile, right? But well, it, it, yeah. And and Preble uh, famously won mm. it in, in '96, so it has has uh, switched around a bit. 
but um, yeah, interesting to see that that some younger people are, are opting uh, yeah. for for the right yeah. aisle of politics. One of the central was always my smoky, and my smoky is I think Tamath Paul's going to win the seat. Yeah, and I said that when, I thought that it's on when the she announced. Now. I, I said that when she announced, she's a very popular candidate. Yeah. In Wellington, the stuff she's done with council, her policies appeal to a lot of people in Wellington. I thought if she put her hand up, she'd be in the race. That's my smoky. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of public servants in Wellington. I don't know that they will be um, no. voting for the, um, you know, for the sword for the slash yeah. <laughs> from the Act Party. That's right. All right. Look, let's. Um, um, we've talked about the Hariu and how close that is. You made the point off off Mike earlier that um, you know Greg O'Connor's not just running for his life there, but there's that point that he's trying to paint Nicola Willis as she's going to be too busy, right? She's going to be too busy for for a seat that is, how do you famously all about its local MP, right? So that's... Yeah, I remember, I think it was you as a, as a producer on q and might have been The Nation, trying to get Peter Dunn mm-hmm. on the shows, never. the weekend political shows. Couldn't get him on because... You could never get Peter Dunn to leave a how do you on the weekend. No, because he knew where his bread was buttered. Absolutely. He, he was a hard-working <laughs> electorate MP and he'd, he'd, he'd do those clinics on, on, on the weekend. So you could get him on the line if you were lucky, but boy, you could never get him out of there. No, even, even in the midst of all <laughs> the yeah. performance and everything. No, nope. yeah. staying in a hurry. And that is how Greg O'Connor is selling it because he's he, um, you know, when um, Parliament rose, his job was deputy speaker, right, yeah. and electorate MP. That's it. Yeah. And that is what he is selling to the people that he's done the yards. And as you mentioned, Peter Dunn, uh, I think that electorate liked having an MP that concentrated mm. on them and what they needed. Mm. There is a kind of I don't know badge to having um, a leader or a deputy leader or a prime minister or deputy prime minister in your electorate. So it's, uh, how much will they be swayed by that? But again, oh, how do you, you, you know, uh, the bureaucrats who are going to be sliced yeah. and diced yeah. under various right-wing policies, they live there too. They do. Yeah. They do. I was going to mention, and talking about leaders, you know, electorates who like leaders, I'll just mention Tamaki very quickly before we move on to the debate. Um, because there's this interesting clip from um, uh, Brooke van der Velden, who's running for ACT there, who is, reckons that it's neck and neck. What's your polling saying? We don't do polling. OK. Brooke, do you? Yeah, look, we did a poll about a month and a half ago now, and it said that myself and O'Connor are neck and neck. Um, and I think since then the momentum has continued to build. Uh, that's a really interesting race. That's, that's my electorate, and that used to be... Um, Robert Muldoon's electorate and so you know used to love having the leader of the country there um, but I've heard a number of national voters say to me that Brooke is pretty impressive um, and honestly her billboards that pink coat is flipping everywhere in Tamaki so and I, she's been doing a lot of those street corner um, she has meetings and so is O'Connor out. to be fair yes, I've and, seen and, and <laughs> feed on the, a few times and feed on the ground and, and we're talking about Simon O'Connor here um who has had some very um, vocal and conservative yeah. um, policy positions, which might not sit well, in particular, with women voters. Yeah. He is, he's, he's one of those guys who, again, have a very connected local MP, though, so it'll be interesting. It's he, a tight he was race. the one who made that veiled reference to Roe versus Wade, wasn't he? Not well, very veiled. not veiled. <laughs> <laughs> quite, he was, was like, trying to be quite quite it's, it's a great day to be alive. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah, so, yeah. So, you know, and then she is presenting as uh, um, a younger woman uh, on the right. Yeah, and economics degree. Yes, yeah. and yeah. potentially has that appeal um, 
of what has loosely been referred to as those swing voters, John Keys, um, women voters of a certain age, you know, may find her very appealing. Oh, and, oh, and she's got a high profile now. I've yeah. seen her in a couple of public settings. She's impressive, yeah. gregarious, um, ingratiates really well to an audience, um, speaks well. Um, apparently she's there's that band at Parliament. She sometimes, you know, um, steals a mic off um, Mikey Sherman and leads a couple of the songs, you know. Um, yeah, she, she's popular. And when you listen to her, um, you know, some of her, some of her Māori issues um, need a bit of refining in my view, but um, but she presents really well. I can see why she'd be a public And it's interesting there. that I just uh, rammed home that point about the two parties on, on the right having deputy woman leaders who yeah. are, they are actively profiling, yeah. right, yeah. to try and yeah. soften their image, if you like, which is a terrible gender stereotype, but you know what I mean, right? That they, That's what they're doing. Yes, I said screwing my face. I know. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not saying it's a good thing, but I'm saying it's happening. Um, the other thing we should say about Brooke is that she was material in the euthanasia campaign. So she was working behind the scenes on the legislation, working with David Seymour before she got became right. the deputy leader. And I would suggest to you in Tamaki that um, that is a big issue for a lot of people. For a lot of old people in Tamaki. No. Leave it there. Um, the debate, um, the first leaders' debate happened this week. Um, is this related to euthanasia? <laughs> <laughs> well played, sir. Well played. You felt that... Uh, well, let's, let's develop that. You felt that they did kind of shot themselves in the... Uh, well, it was leaders? a bit of a charisma-free zone, wasn't it? I mean, I, I, I felt that Luxon would have been happiest with that. I mean... Labour's and the left's sort of hope was that somehow he would implode and that his unfitness to to take office yeah. and his inexperience would would be exposed um, by Christopher Hip, by Chris Hipkins, who was the more experienced political operator. That simply didn't happen. No. I mean, roughly people scored it marginally in favour of Lux, and I probably would have been there too. But it, but it, it roughly was a draw, wasn't it? Which is fine if you're either leader, except that Hipkins is just is so well behind that he needed a big circuit breaker and and that just didn't happen. A debate of missed opportunities, you think? Yeah. Um, I saw a lot of comment about people wanted uh, Hipkins to go out and be strong and be really robust and argumentative and hit him at every chance and it just didn't pan out that way. But the public don't always love it. You've done... Everybody in this room has done a lot of debates, right? right? The public don't love that, actually. Yeah, Yeah. and and that's the point, right? And he's the Prime Minister. You kind of want to be Prime Ministerial. You you don't want to be the one that's kind of agitating because then you look like you're the leader of the opposition. Um, You know, there were a couple of clangers from both of them, actually, that I know we'll talk about a bit later. Uh, But in terms of tone, if you have Look, just have a look at the body language of the two of them. Um, there was a distinct difference, and if you turn the sound off and watch, you know, half of that debate, you would almost think Luxon was the prime minister because he was very controlled. He has this kind of poise that he just sits in his space, uh, very kind of natural pose, and and projects fairly well. And Hipkins did too, but. He, I think uh, if you were just going to do it purely on who won that d- debate, you'd probably say that, that Luxon shaded him just a bit. But it was a different kind of debate, I think, from the one that we expected in the way in yeah. which it came out. And I think that's why a lot of people felt a little bit low about it. Lisa, can we before we, we go into your points off this, can we just play this clip of, the, of a bunch of the quick fires? Because I think this tells you something really significant. Chris Hipkins, first of all, have you ever had a speeding ticket? Yes, yes. Is now the time for New Zealand to become a republic? No. No. Uh, should we continue to ban nuclear-powered ships from our waters? Yes. Yes. Should cannabis de- be decriminalised? No. No. Should vapes be prescription only? No. 
Uh, no, not at this stage. Personally, would you be happy to pay wealth tax? Uh, no, I think it would be a wrecking ball through the economy. I don't think a wealth tax is the way to go. Should transgender people be allowed to compete in sport? Uh, that's a decision for the sporting bodies. Decision for the sporting bodies. Tax for vacant houses, yes or no? No. No. And how old were you when you brought your first home? Uh, 24. Yeah, it would have been about the same. I mean, we let that run, but oh my God. Which was which? Could, which, was which? Oh, I was, <laughs> could they yeah. be more similar? I mean, I have to say, I was pretty underwhelmed by the performance of both of those leaders. Um, and that uh, shows what we've been talking about. We talk, we're talking yeah. about a head-on collision at the centre line. Right, yeah. that, that illustrated that. So uh, I, the, the, I know some people criticise quick-fire questions, but I think you get a taste of certain things, and then later you can capitalise on the little nuggets you might get from that. But when they talked about their houses, right, you know, they, uh, at one point they were asked about, you know, when they bought their first houses, mm -hmm. and um, uh, they later clarified exact dates, and I think one was 22 and one was 23 years old. Wow, I mean, what hope, <laughs> what hope do you hold for tw 22 and 23-year-olds now? now? What age do you think people will be when they are afford their first home. Nice for you, but what about, you know, so it's there 42, were... 43 year olds who mm. on yeah. decent incomes yeah. can't afford yeah. it. If you're lucky. So, yeah. so I sort and, of... And what, how much is your house compared to your income then as opposed yes. to now, right? Yes. I mean, these are the policy questions that yeah, as, come off it. As a, as a calculation, you know, what, what what's the ideal? I think it's like four times or yeah, something. Yeah, three or four, yeah. yeah. which, which so, would so, have been around there then and now it's what, yeah, 19? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so there were things there, but I felt that both of them tended to just skim the surface, you got a lot of slogans repeated mm -hmm. and I felt that Chris Hipkins was on the defensive from the get-go and by that I don't mean nasty aggro or anything like that, but he was defending his party's position rather than selling his wares. He spent a lot of time defending his party's position. Which marks out his whole um, performance at, and the, the, the handover from Ardern to Hipkins, which was smooth and um, praised at the time for the, the way that it, it provided a smooth transition of leadership. But he, he, he's been good at being the anti-Adern candidate, um, but really taken a sort of uh, a national light road since mm. then and, and failed to really articulate and forge out a, a, a Labour position. Um, since then, and I think we saw that in the, in the debate too. He, he, he's, he's failed to actually capture what it is that Labour stands for and, and to be bold and to capture yeah. imaginations. He's been a lot better at hosing down the, the three waters or the co-governance or the, the merger at TVNZ and ONZ. All those things they chucked on the bonfire but never really forged yeah. a new path. You, yeah. you could flip what side, do you build from the ashes? Right? Yeah, you, you could flip side that for National as well and say, of that list of questions that you were both asked there and you both have answered virtually exactly the same to every question. What differentiates the National Party from Labour? So you've got Labour, who is Labour-lite, and then some people would argue you've got National, who's Labour-lite, who hasn't gone far enough with their policies um, to satisfy people who want significant and real change, which is what... Um, uh, without being a mouthpiece for David Seymour, that is what he would argue, right? So, so if you're presenting as same same, where is the point of difference yeah. for people? And I sort of thought slightly disingenuous from a number of commentators who sort of said, "Well, what you saw there 
if you were an undecided voter, would not change your mind. Give people some credit. Not everybody is choosing between those two people. That's right. And also, that might have polarised their opinion. They might have looked at that well, and said, actually, I don't want a bar of well, either that's of right. You. And in some ways, the, the winners of those uh, debates weren't on the podiums yeah. and may well have been waiting in the wings. The Good minor point. parties yeah. would have been looking at this going, great, this gives um, us a chance to, to say, look, the, the two are Chris's, you can't sort of put a cigarette paper between uh, the two I, of them. I absolutely agree. No, no, no more prominent for me was, no more obvious was, was that than when they were asked about what's your big, big policy? You know, and Chris Hipkins talk about the dental policy for under 30s, right? And when you've got a party like the Greens and the Māori Party who are saying, no, no, we're going to make this universal, by the way, we've done that from a wealth tax, doesn't play. It, which surprised me. I, it, but it talks about the lack of kind of boldness, the, the kind of brashness, the kind of, you know, um, the ability to be able to think really big about a policy. He picks that one. They yeah. all talked about mechanics. Not GST off food. Yeah. 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 No, everything which... was mechanical. Everything was repeating policies that have already been announced in the course of the campaign, except yeah. for a couple of steps, which we'll get to that in a second, but every, and I know not everybody listens with the same intensity as we do, so there has to be some repetition, right, and um, reaffirming your policies and making sure everybody knows. For the first time even, so some yeah, voters, right? absolutely, absolutely I get that, but it was mechanical, and I thought it was mechanical in performance. I thought it was really interesting that um, Christopher Luxon had the giant ring binder on his um, podium, <laughs> and, and Chris Hipkins had a big stack of papers too, and it which point he actually read from that. But to go back to an earlier point from um, Julian, it is where was the I have a dream and I am sorry, but you have to bring some joy, some joy to your citizens, some ambition, some hope, some frickin' rainbows and sunshine, and that was your opportunity to do it and not just run through the numbers yeah. and no. run through the mechanics. It's the battle of the middle managers, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah no. that's exactly <laughs> what which, it which was. Play, which is exactly the point that Guy made, Come is that on. there'll be some minor party leaders who are going, the space is open here, we can make a real impression yeah. in this minor party leaders. Yeah, and debate. you're already seeing those two flank parties, what, at 12% yeah. apiece at yeah. Acton yeah. Greens and, 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 and New Zealand First nudging in there. So that's well over a quarter of of, of the vote spilling that way. And that, shopping there. and that poll, this poll that we're talking about, the One News Variant poll, only took in uh, a, li- a few hours a post leaders yep. debate, yep. so it's going to be interesting to see further wash up from that and whether whether people shift their previous mm. um, allegiances. And also, I always find it interesting in a poll where they say, you know, undecided voters. What was it? Twelve percent. Twelve percent. And you think, well, some of you are decided, but you just don't want to say. Yeah. <laughs> I, look, I, and we'll, I want to come back to the to the minor parties, and and I'm conscious of time, so let's just. A couple of specifics from the debate, because um, we've all got points we want to want to make. My one was was that there was opportunities for um, Hipkins to really have a have a go, right? That you want, you're looking for a moment. Not necessarily it doesn't have to always be rainbows and sunshine. Sometimes it just needs to be something that says I'm here and I mean business and I have a purpose. Um, and there was an opportunity potentially in his um, a comment around Winston Peters. With all, with all due respect, Chris, Winston Peters and David Seymour would be running circles around you. I mean, Winston Peters brings chaos wherever he goes. Yep. I've ruled out working for, with Winston Peters because stable government does not come from working with Winston Peters. And then he stopped. Mm. There was not that moment where you go, will you tonight, Mr Luxon, rule out Mr Peters? You know, turn to him and actually nail it home. There, w- there was a number of opportunities where I thought Hipkins set himself up 
and then didn't actually swing yeah. the ball. Although he's pretty compromised on that, given it was Winston Peters who put them into government in well, 2017. There is that, but you know, <laughs> you can say you've learnt from that experience, right? You, you can sell it in a certain way. Yeah. In the same way, John Key turns around and goes, "Show me the money." Yeah. That was, the, that was the moment you were looking for. It, it was. And, and look, here's a comparison. I, I dug out a, a, a clip from an earlier debate, because this is one of the ones that really I remember growing up. From the 1993 leaders' debate, you've got um, Jim Bolger and Mike Moore. And to set the scene, um, Jim Bolger clearly thinks he's got a great line here where he's been he's working across the aisle with Jim Anderton on an unemployment initiative, and he thinks he's got more in trouble. And listen, what, just watch this. It was Jim Anderton's suggestion. I said, yes, Jim, we will do that. I still want to invite Mike Moore to join us. Why won't you join us, Mike? Why won't you join us? Myself, Jim Anderton, even Winston Peters says he will join. Well, it's a reasonable question. Let's have an answer, Mr Moore. Well, I think it needs a reasonable answer, because I don't trust you, Mr Bolger. Boom. I mean, that was the moment that, for me, Hipkins was looking for a moment like that, and he just couldn't find it. You're right, and um, he should have pushed the point further about Winston. Um, the, the part where I thought he tried to get really forceful was when they were actually talking about health, and then they got into the Māori Health Authority. Yeah. And he started having a go at Luxon, and then he got cut off in the end just as he was mid-flow. Well, we've got that too, so let's just have a look at it. We are addressing that, and unfortunately, other political parties are choosing to use that for race-basing oh, race politics. How do you politics. respond to that? Well, that's just not right. I mean, we just we have a series of public services we make available to all 5.2 million people across New Zealand. You've got to always come through the lens of people's needs, not their ethnicities. That's the deal here so in New Zealand. So why should Maori and Pacific all... people with the same need wait longer than yeah. non-Maori and Pacific well, New Zealanders? Because that's what's happening right now. Yeah, but, that, but Chris, that's not the way to deal with it. You come through the need lens. If someone's waiting longer, then they you have, have to the deal same need issue. and they're waiting yeah. longer. Why it, is that fair? You come through the needs lens and you identify the relative priority of people based off lot, length of time they've been on the list, where they've come from, how far they have to go. Yep, and they got cut off there, right? Yeah, <laughs> now, yeah. And he, uh, Chris Hickman's is absolutely right. I mean, ha- have a look at your, uh, rheumatic fever. The cases of rheumatic fever uh, have doubled since last year. In the first six months of this year, seventy-five percent of which are Maori and Pacific Islander, right? Now, this this is due to a whole bunch of uh, of conditions. This is due to housing in the main, but other things as well, poverty and the like. Uh, but this is an ethnic. This is an ethnicity issue, right? The need is the the ethnicity, and I, I he he could have rammed it home even harder if he wanted to, but he didn't. He pulled back a little bit and he, he got cut off um, in the end. This is where Chris Luxon is vulnerable on the need versus, versus ethnicity issue and, and actually other issues as well. But it's the only part of the debate where I felt Hipkins really tried to have a go. We yeah. really got to see him try and bare his teeth. Yeah, yeah, he really pushed in there. But but Luxon, and there's a point you made, Guy, that, that Luxon needed to come, a, come in there and not look like the detached kind of what Michael Cullen would call the rich prick, right? He was, mm. he had to come in. And there was a moment which really stood out in this debate where Luxon nailed that really well and tried to humanise himself. We were newly married. Amanda was in her first job as a teacher. I was in my first job out of university. We stretched ourselves into a house in Nile in Wellington uh, and then all of a sudden the interest rates went up. And I remember sitting there with our TV on a box and we had one deck chair between us uh, and that was exactly, it was an incredibly worrying and stressful moment, if I'm honest with you. Yeah, he's um, obviously practised that line and he probably doesn't hasn't done enough on that backstory of coming from relatively modest um, beginnings and, you know, he's 
famously got seven properties and, and many millions now. But it, it appears that he's he's earned that himself. He certainly wasn't born with a silver spoon in his mouth, no, and, so. and wanted people to know that. So I think he did he did capture that. But to Lisa's point earlier, um, when both the leaders bought houses in their early twenties, uh, certainly not a position that um, many people are in <laughs> no, that's right. nowadays. Even if it's a deck chair in your own house, it's, yeah. that's still pretty good. So right? on that on that point, there was a young woman, twenty three years old, waitress mm. on Auckland's North Shore, who asked a question of both the leaders about what responsibility wealthier people mm. have to poorer people in Aotearoa, right? I spoke to her on You did, I listened to that, because she the, didn't get an answer really, She didn't did get she, an answer, in that debate. And, and she was deflated as a 23-year-old vo- voter. They, they both just, you know, did the boys hide two-step and went round to a question. And the other thing that sort of ate away at her was the fact that they both had bought these houses when they were really young, her age, and, and they didn't they didn't kind of address that. They didn't address the plight of other people, which we've talked about. Now, the other thing I thought was interesting was, and we had a bit of feedback on this, um, Christopher Luxon in particular addressed her own personal wealth when her question was actually about the collective, mm. right? Mm. Yes, she, mm. she'd asked whether people with means had a responsibility yeah. to those who don't. She was asking about the collective, not about her individual financial position. And Christopher Luxon's response to her was to say, help is on the way. Those were his words. Help is on the way. Saying that you're a gonna lot. Get, You're going to get an extra $50 a, a, a fortnight, yeah. right? And so... That was a misinterpretation. She wasn't asking for herself. She was asking for for the um, the broader collective. And also, he referred to her as a medium income earner. So a waitress on um, she's on the living wage. Is that a medium income earner mm-hmm. now? And in response to her question, also Christopher Luxon. Uh, Chris, sorry, Chris Hipkins just reiterated, no way, no how for a wealth in a capital gains tax. So there you have a 23-year-old voter yeah. who's, you know, getting off her backside to inform herself and go to a polling booth and she can't even get a straight Yeah, there, there was a lot of two-stepping, which ordinarily <laughs> you would have felt like, um, uh, look, I'm the first to not try and have a crack at moderators, right? I, I, think, it's, I think it's a bad thing to do. Um, but, the, but that's the role, is to, is, to, is to keep piercing and poking and going, what's the answer to that question? Here's the question, what's the answer to it? There was a lot of two-stepping. You know, for example, uh, GST or fruit and veg. One question, bit of a two-step, didn't come up again. Which actually Labour would be happy about, to be honest. <laughs> um, you know, the, the tax workings of the National Party, again, the question was posed. There was a couple of questions, moved on. Mm. So there was a lot of two-stepping going on. They're both probably happy that they got away with it. Mm. Um, but when you've got real questions that people are answering, you asking you don't answer them, and you two-step away, there's got to be a point at which you bring them back. And that didn't really happen. Um, the enthusiasm gap we're talking about there, there is, isn't there in the terms of, as we say, minor parties um, have now got a, an opportunity in the last couple of weeks of the campaign potentially to really step up. It was interesting to see how um, they are trying to move into that space. It's been really hard for the Greens to get coverage. Um, but um, James Shaw said this at uh, the Queenstown ASB debate last week. Well, in answer to the previous question, no, I don't think that Nationals' uh, numbers add up. And, and I frankly don't think a lot of people care. They just want a tax cut. Now, one of the great ironies of this is not only is National proposing more taxes than Labor, but the Green Party is actually proposing more income tax cuts than the National Party uh, at this election. And the reason that we are able to do that is because we do want to ask those people who are doing particularly well in this country to chip in a bit more.
Yeah, I thought that was very interesting from James Shaw. And we, I know we talked about it a few episodes ago on Caucus, but this idea of an independent unit, perhaps in somewhere very credible like Treasury, to cost opposition policies confidentially would be a huge service for New Zealand. Yeah, it would. We waste far too much time every election and we must bamboozle the public with these arguments about fiscal holes. Mm. And we run around and we spend, oh, I've got you on a fiscal hole. And I mean, ever since 2017, with the fiscal hole became the sort of new um, phrase. And we, we and, and it's fair enough in the media, we, we're trying to say, does your policy add up? But, you know, I think we waste a lot of time and confuse the public with, with this stuff. Mm. And, and, and fair enough, I mean, James Shaw may, may be right, D- do the public care? Because they don't know because whether the, it's the a fiscal hole just or a, not. Just they a just tax don't, cut, right? Yeah, so yeah. I, I really think, and you'd need to have absolute secrecy about it, wouldn't you? Because you, you say national and opposition was putting a policy up, a tax policy, but Treasury could be responsible for that. Um, I think it would be a huge service for, for New Zealand. And I know the Greens put it up many years ago and there've been people who've gone back and forth on it, but I, I think an independent um, costing unit would be of huge value. It's an interesting point. And look, before we wrap, I just want to play this last clip of, um, of uh, David Seymour, who is um, was just after the debate making a very similar point to what we've been making in terms of where the voters might look next. I would argue from last night's debate, ACT was the real winner because it showed the need for real choice and real change. Uh, We do need to turn around the direction of this country with fresh new ideas. And he went on from that because, I mean, that's the point we're making, right? That people are going to look at those, the leaders debate and go, oh, what's everybody else doing then if those guys are the middle managers? Um, But then he went on to say, um, to talk about what that would look like again with National. Like I say, I I think the circumstances will mean that more is up for grabs than perhaps people realise, because I I think Grant Robertson's left worse than so. That that is my real answer. Um, But our view is, look, we're not going to navigate, sorry, we're not going to negotiate through the the media with each other. We have a strong personal relationship. We have clear professional differences. We are going to work through those together if the people choose us. The financial situation New Zealand faces is serious. And I think if we are forming a government, it might go beyond what any particular party wants. It might be about what New Zealand can afford. So he's backed off his, we'll only Giving give you uh, confidence and yeah. not supply. He's not hearing too much about that. No, no, he's, he's all in, but he's talking about um, uh, well, this a, is a never, economic crisis. This is right? a never waste a good crisis moment, yeah, isn't it? It is. Um, that, that, that he's gunning for. And, and some in the National Party will would, would welcome that because because Axe position might give them cover to do some things that they might not have considered that they would be able to get away with. Yeah. So it's that point that I think, you know, the a lot of the action, we've talked about this, a lot of the action's going to be around the fringes in the last few weeks, right? Those minor parties are really going to kick in. Yeah, I'm particularly interested in the James Shaw-David Seymour interaction <laughs> um, because um, when Winston's in the room, he tends to suck up a lot of oxygen. Uh, so they're going to be trying for, 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 to fight for as much of it as they can. Uh, uh, but I'm, I'm interested in that and what that interplay is going to look like because there's going to be a lot of focus on economy and finance. All right. Thank you, guys. Um, We are out of time, so uh, we'll be back, though, with uh, another episode of Caucus next week. Remember, you can follow us uh, and on any of your podcast apps. You can watch us on YouTube or listen to us on RNZ National. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. 
or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.